Welcome to another episode of 20th Century Book Quest. In this episode, we are going to explore Brideshead Revisited, which was written in 1945 by Evelyn Waugh. So what is this book about? Well, it's about the memories of Captain Charles Ryder, who's 39 at the beginning of the novel. He's an artist who enlisted in the British Army and he's waiting to go to the battlefield in France. And his regiment is once more moved to another place. So they are not going to France yet. Yeah. They are all bored. But the new place they arrive at is actually well known to Charles. It's Brideshead, the estate of the aristocratic flight family with whom Charles has long been acquainted. Going back to this place brings him back to his days as a student in Oxford where he met Sebastian Flight. And this life-changing encounter swept him into a world of high society and of wealthy socialites, brought him to Brideshead, enabled him to meet the whole family and leads to a very rich life for yeah. Charles. So as you said, the book starts during World War II and it ends during World War II as well. But the main book itself uh, takes place during uh, between the wars. Did you like the book and how did you discover this book? Well, first of all, I discovered this book because it was suggested to me by my supervisor for my master's dissertation. Okay. And that's why I studied it. So it was maybe eight years ago. That's when I discovered it. And I just reread it and just loved mm -hmm. revisiting Rise at Revisited. <laughs> I think that I enjoyed it more this time, okay. rereading it. Maybe because there was no pressure yeah. of the exam. Uh, also, probably because I'm more mature to really yeah. enjoy it. But I've always had a love-hate relationship with it because okay. there are some passages in the story that I didn't quite like. Weirdly enough, I reread the preface mm -hmm. that Evelyn Waugh had written himself. And he said that there are one or two passages that he regrets. Okay. And... Happily, it's exactly the passages the that I hated. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad we are on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> War and I on this. What about you? I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the two thirds of the book, the first two thirds of the book, much more than the third part. But I really enjoyed it. I, I like the exploration of the characters. I like uh, the coming of age aspect of this novel. I really like the little sneak peek that we get into the end of aristocracy in England. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. But like you, I don't know if we don't like the same passages, but there are a few bits, especially towards the end of the book, that I didn't enjoy as much as the rest of it. So maybe let's start with the characters. Yep. And first one, the narrator, Charles. So as we said, he's 39 when he tells the story. He introduces himself as somebody who is middle-aged, almost depressed Yeah. at the beginning because he's getting bored as a soldier because they are not going to the battlefield, although they're training for it. And when we read the novel, we understand that Basically, he's failed at almost everything. His marriage, because he's yeah. divorced. You would say that he failed his career? Not as an artist. He's, he is a successful artist, yeah. thanks to his yeah. rather okay. distasteful wife. Yeah. But his marriage is over. Yep. 
his second relationship is over. He is not taking any part in his children's education. But that's his own. It's his own decision, but I mean, you can't say he, he's successful. No, no, no. Everything seems to be quite bleak for him. Yeah. So the beginning is quite depressing, especially as... Oh, the you mean the prologue? Yeah, the yeah. prologue is quite depressing because we see Charles depressed and as he's the narrator, he's giving us a rather bleak picture of the situation. I was a bit scared after reading the prologue. I was like, oh, am I going to like this book? Because the prologue was really long and depressing, like you said. Absolutely. But once you get past it, wow, what a world you get in. So quite fast, actually, because the prologue is not that long. 25 pages. Is it? Yes. In my edition, 25 pages. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, okay. That's one of my pet peeves in many books. But in this book, it was, I didn't like it. The chapters are really long. Yeah. At some point. I really like to stop reading at the end of a chapter. Yeah, but for this one, you really have to be prepared to stop in the middle of a chapter. That's right. So Charles is not from an aristocratic family, but is quite well off. There's a discussion with his father, who's a peculiar character, about his allowance. And somebody advised him to give him I think it's 300 pounds and it's like, oh, I was thinking of giving you 600, but then I was, I thought it, would too, it was too much. So you will have 500, which was, I think, a lot for the time. So he has money, even if he's not an aristocrat. And he's studying, we don't really know what, is it history? English? History. History. Okay. Although he doesn't you know. Read, yeah. Well, I think he says that in the first, in his first year at Oxford, he is rather serious yep. in his studies. He attends classes. But then he quickly gives up and spends more time with his friends. Yeah, with his friend. Because friend. Because yeah. in this second year, he says that they almost exclusively. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. see only each other. Mm-mm. But yeah, I like Charles' character, especially in the first two part of the book. He's really interested yeah. to follow because he goes on to study art, mm-hmm. well, painting more particularly, yeah. and so. I mean, it's not very detailed, but we understand that he goes to France. Yep. Before studying as an artist, he went on holiday to Venice with Sebastian. He also spends quite some time at Brideshead painting. Yep. So there's so much to discover through him that I really love in yeah. this novel. It's all the beauty everywhere. You also... Thanks to Charles, you navigate the world of the artists of the time. You have hints at all the modernists, including the uh, Bloomsbury group. So it's thanks to this character, Charles, that we really have all the background that is really fascinating. Yeah. And so he goes on to becoming this successful painter yeah. who, well, architectural painter. Yeah, that was interesting. Yes. Specialty. Yeah, because... He becomes a well-known artist as he is asked by all these aristocratic families to paint the buildings that they have to let go yeah. because their fortunes are mm. failing and they've got to sell yeah. parts of their of their estates. So that's how he becomes famous. And then he decides to go for a trip to... South America, where he spends two years and comes back very successful in New York. And 
there is that incredible crossing of the ocean back to England. So yeah, through him, through his life, we get a glimpse of what socialites mm. are. So that's a fascinating world because, yeah. I mean, when you're not wealthy, you cannot mm-hmm. get first-hand experience yeah, of all true. these yeah. circles. And that's when literature comes in very handy. And when you have those incredible reading experiences of uh, reading about the lives of such extraordinary people. Yeah. Which the author knew well because okay. although he himself, I don't think he was an aristocrat uh, and he was not from an aristocratic background. I don't think he was. Anyway, but he did um, mm. meet right. such people. Yeah. And in particular, he was acquainted with a family called the Ligons. Okay. And he took inspiration from them to create okay. the Flight family. Interesting. So, speaking of the Flight family, very early on his Oxford journey, he meets Sebastian. He's at the hairdresser. Yeah, maybe he gets a glimpse of Sebastian at that time. Yeah, and, and that he, scene is so cute. Yeah. So Sebastian is at the hairdresser because he needs to buy a brush for his teddy bear, but not to brush him. To it's to punish him with yeah, it when he's been yeah, naughty. Yeah. yeah. So mm. that was very funny. So yeah. that's where I finally uh, got acquainted with Aloysius. Yeah. So Sebastian is 19 uh, when we yeah, meet same him, age, something like that. I think. And he's a very interesting character. He's, he very much lives in his own world, but you n- understand that he does this because he doesn't want to face reality yeah. and he doesn't want to face the way his family is. Yeah. It's not always very clear what he is running from because he's running from things. Maybe it's his family who are quite peculiar because they're mm. Catholics. Yeah. And so with their Catholicism comes a morality that yeah. is very hard to bear for Sebastian. Yeah. Because Sebastian, we understand, is a homosexual. Yeah. We understand that it's very hard for him yeah. to really find his way. So is he running from the Catholicism of his family? Is he running from his mother? Who is... Well, it's hard to say whether yeah. she's a good or bad character. Yeah. We'll come back to her, yeah. but she, she's difficult to... Well, I wouldn't have liked to have a mother yeah. like her. No. So he's trying to escape into parties. Yeah, drink. Drink. Uh, he becomes an alcoholic. Yeah. He's escaping in a world of fancy because 19 years old and he still has this cute teddy bear but still a teddy bear so that's another hint at Sebastian not being able to face reality then he physically escapes to North Africa so Morocco he travels quite a lot there I think at some point we understand he goes to Germany yeah so quite a lot Greece And we are to understand that he finishes his life in a monastery in Morocco, I think. Yes, I think it's that, yeah. So, running away. Sebastian is running away. He's running away, but it ends up in a monastery, which is interesting, because we don't really know if he's running away from his religion, but he still ends up... It's an interesting journey. Yeah. One question that people often ask about Charles and Sebastian is whether they're lovers. What do you think? I don't think they were lovers, I think maybe they might have been in love with each other. 
But I don't think they were physically lovers. No. I don't think it went to this point. But I think Sebastian was definitely in love with Charles. I and think. I think Charles, and I think Charles was also had feelings really, for him. Yeah. yeah. We, I think the best way to describe this is words used by the character Kara, who's the mistress of uh, Sebastian's father later on in, in the novel. She calls their relationship a romantic friendship. Mm. I think that's the best way of describing it because it's not plain friendship. No. There's more to yeah. it. They are attracted to each other. Yeah. There is that beautiful passage when Sebastian takes Charles on a tour in a car that he borrowed from a friend. Mm. And at some point, they stop in a place because it's gorgeous and they've got this bottle of wine and mm. strawberries, I think. Yeah, very romantic. And it's very romantic, first of all. And there's something that Sebastian says. He says that he would like to bury, I think, a treasure in every place that he's been happy because then he could dig it out and remember. That's and beautiful. I think that's a good clue as to mm. how he feels about Charles. Yeah. I think. The way Charles protects him, even to the point of enabling him uh, with his drink when yeah. uh, Sebastian is quite in the thick of his alcoholism and he comes back to Brideshead for Christmas and he was cut off from money and Charles gives him some money knowing yeah. that he's going to go and drink yeah, uh, because the whole Charles day. Charles just yeah. can't resist him. Yeah. And... Probably to have that kind of relationship, you really, really need to be yeah. very close. Mm. So probably more than just a friendship, yeah. but there's nothing clear about no. a sexual relationship yeah. between the two of them. So then we have Julia, who is uh, Sebastian's little sister. I think they're two or three years apart. 17. Yes. At the beginning of yes. the book. She, so she's number three in the four flight siblings. She looks a lot like Sebastian, which I think is... An important point. It is. Regarding a future relationship with Charles. What did you think of this character? Well, when we start encountering her in the novel, she's annoying. Yeah. She's that girl on the brink of adulthood who knows she is the center of mm. some kind of social circle. And then when we meet her again years later so on the ship that takes charles back to england we get to know her better yeah and at that moment i really liked her more because that's when she got more fleshed out and that's when we started to better understand the whole character how she herself suffered mm. from her mother's yeah. strange morality maybe the whole religion just yeah. as uh, Sebastian. Her first marriage. Is her marriage, because yeah. there's no second marriage yeah. in the end, but her marriage to this Rex fellow who yeah. is a Canadian man, come to England just for fame, success, and power. He's money. involved in politics. He because does. at the end of the novel, he's, I he's think, a minister. A minister. Quite in insufferable. Yeah. So she's got a very sad life. Yeah, that's herself. true. What about you? I didn't... I understand what you said, that she's more fleshed out in the last part of the book. But I I couldn't understand her relationship with Charles. Mm. I thought it it is bring about as this as these last lovers that see each other after ten years and instantly fell back in love. But that wasn't the case. There was no int of any real attraction between the two of them in the first two part of well in my I didn't feel it. There was a hint at some sexual tension 
in the scene when we first meet her when she picks Charles at the train station when he notices that she's actually a female version of Sebastian mm. but that's my second point I keep feeling like their relationship that he's attracted to her again or when he meets her again because he lost Sebastian and she looks a lot like him yes I didn't feel like their feelings were I don't know I felt that relationship was not out of character but it felt forced to me I didn't feel the romance I didn't mm. feel their feelings for each other and I think like at the end of the book it felt like all of this for that We'll come back to that. Yeah. Because we will have to ask ourselves about what does it all mean. Yeah. But I think it really means something. Mm. Julia is not my favorite character yeah. in this novel, for sure. But I don't hate her. I don't hate her either. Mm. Next one in the Flight family, who is actually the, f the eldest yep. of the Flight siblings, is the one called Bridie. Short for Brighthead, because that's his title. As the eldest, he's the Earl of Brighthead. What do you make of him? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> no, he's, he's just a secondary character. Yeah, anyway. but I don't know. He was not funny because he wasn't funny. But his life is interesting. He's because so he doesn't weird. seem interested in Brideshead. Like, until he gets married and then his father comes back. And he has to move out again. I thought that was so ironic. The the weirdest thing about him is that he collects... Uh, oh, yeah, matchbox. Matchbox. So funny. <laughs> Everybody makes fun of him. Yeah. But actually, he's that weirdo uh, yeah. that even his siblings yeah. just make fun of him. Yeah. Because he's weird. Yeah. And basically, I think he's here to just be the weird character. Yeah. Also to deliver some ready-made Catholic truth from mm. time to time. But then again, he's not just some kind of stock character. No. Because Charles, the narrator, has to admit that even if he is weird, sometimes it's hard not to respect him. So even this character, he's weird. Well, there's not much more to say about no. him. Though. Although he's the one who brings about the crises in Julia and Charles that precipitate yeah, the end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's got a function in the plot. Yeah. But Do we know what happens to him at, at the end? Oh, because he doesn't inherit <laughs> Bride's head. It's Julia who inherits. Yeah. And poor Bridie. He, yeah, we know at the end that he is in the army, in yeah. the war as well. That's true, you're he's right. posted in Palestine, I think. Mm. That's something uh, yeah. that we learn. And his two sisters try to be with him as well. So speaking of sisters, we have Cordelia, who is so the, she's youngest. the youngest. Yeah, I really liked her. She's very cute. Yeah, and a very good person. Yeah, this one. and she's she delivers some truth as well. Yeah, but like... I think the um, I don't know. Um, she is probably more grounded. Yeah, than than her, the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, her siblings. She's a very very good person. She's never going to make people feel bad. Mm even if what they're doing is not really good. She's devoted to people who need help. She even goes as far as going to Spain yep. during the Civil War. So I think that she is this character who exemplifies charitable people. Mm. Then we have the parents. 
the Let's parents. Let's talk about the parents. So Lady Marchmain, so the mother, is the one who stays at Brideshead because yeah. she and her husband, Lord Marchmain, do not live together anymore. No. He's decided to leave her, well, not to come back to her after World War One. Mm. He lives in Italy with his mistress. She has stayed on at Brideshead. So she feels like the head of the family, mm. at least religiously speaking. Yeah. She feels like quite a weight for her family. Yeah, I agree. I thought the way she handled everything with Sebastian was not weird, but she kept going from one extreme to the other. Charles clearly disapproves yeah. of her way of trying to prevent him from drinking, yeah. being very hard on him which never solved the problem of no. his alcoholism. And towards the end of the novel, I think it's Cordelia who really gives the key to understand her mother. She says that she was saintly, but not a mm, saint. That's true. And I think it's key to understanding why her Catholicism was such a heavy burden for her kids. Because she was almost doing everything to fit her moral standards when it was not the point when that's not what could have been mm. the best way of handling yeah. things so she seems perfect in all the things mm. she does but in fact she's insufferable and she's probably the character that i like the least because she embodies that kind of self-satisfied person almost what do you think yeah i agree i thought the father was absent until he came back basically to screw over his children yeah came back from Italy because yeah. of the war. He was dying and it was the it war. Was, so yeah. basically it was a bit difficult for him mm, to stay in yeah. Italy while the war was starting. And so he went back to his home. Yeah. His wife was dead. So there was yeah. nothing preventing him from coming back yeah. because he hated yeah. his wife. Probably because of her mm -hmm. saintly Catholicism. Yeah. Why he converted to Catholicism only in name just mm. to get married to her. Then we have a few other secondary characters. Yes, who are quite interesting as well. Yes, we have Anthony Blanche, who is openly homosexual, who delivers a lot of interesting take on the characters and is often quite on point with how people are. He's very eccentric, especially for the time period. Especially for the time period, yeah. Because he's said to paint his fingernails yeah. and toenails, maybe. Tone, yeah. The same color as his mistress. Yes, that's true. Because at the time he's got a mistress. But I like his eyes are very open. He clearly tells Charles that his art is not good, that it's just yeah. charming, but not good. And I think Charles agrees. He's one of these characters who really shed new light yep. on the events. Although I think he's not always to be trusted because there is a scene in the novel when he tells Charles that, oh, go ahead, tell this to Sebastian. You will see he's going to say this and that. And that's what happened. But then yeah. Sebastian added that, oh yeah, he was going to say that. So I don't know, there's something a bit weird about Anthony Blanche. I don't think he's always that benevolent person. Oh no, definitely not. But I like the way that he spoke some truth, some hard truth to a few characters. Yeah, and he's a very colorful character. Yeah, as well. and I like mm. that he's just himself and he doesn't apologize for who he is. Yeah, also and... he too suffers from these characters, especially in uh, Oxford. So yes, that's, one of my favorite characters, this Anthony Blanche person. Because, again, he's not really good, but then he's not just really bad. So, all in all, do you have a favorite character? I would say I don't think I have a favorite character. Some characters that I really liked, or that I liked the most, were probably Cordelia. Yeah. 
And uh, I really like Anthony because of the way he was so co colorful. What about you? I think my favorite is Cordelia because she is that authentically good person. Mm. She does not have that saintly Catholicism of her mother's. Even though she's, she's the most mm. devout with her el eldest brother. I think that's my favorite. Although she's probably not the most fleshed out, but I think she's quite a compelling character. So who was the character you hated the most? I think I would say Lady Marchmain. I've already said it a number of times, but that's because of her saintly ways who actually made the others' lives impossible and terribly hard to bear. What about you? I don't think I have a most hated character. I think a lot of the characters annoyed me at different points in the novel <laughs> because I was terribly annoyed by Charles one point and then by Juliet another one. So I would say very annoyed but at, not throughout the whole novel. It, but you're right, Lady Marshman was definitely the most annoying one. And probably the character I understood the less. Her motives, her religion, etc. Mm. What do you think of the coming-of-age aspect of this novel? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the, uh, Charles' journey from Oxford to a uh, renowned artist. Yeah, I really liked it. What about you? Just as you said, uh, that's a very enjoyable character's development. I think that in the coming-of-age aspect of the novel, we also can think of uh, Sebastian because he grows from that young person trying to run away from everything to this more mature adult who we understand has finally found his way in a monastery, helping out and I think he's come to terms with his Catholicism once his mother is dead and once he has understood that it's not about being apparently perfect but about doing your best for people around you and that's what he actually understands when Charles tries to get him back to England when his mother is dying and Charles realizes that Sebastian is not living alone he's with this former German soldier called Kurt I don't know how you would pronounce his name. And Sebastian says he has finally found someone who needed him. And it's as if he's found a meaning to his own life. He's not the one taken care of by his family, worried about the drunkard he's become. But there's someone who needs him more than he's Sebastian needs help. And so I think that in this way, he is also growing. But it's still, I don't know, it, feels, it still feels lost to me at the end of the novel. Because he still drinks a lot. But he never tries to stop. Sometimes he does. And then there is a relapse. I feel very sorry for this character. Clearly, because, I mean, he's not successful. At least from the perspective of people who have found their place in society and their families within their circles of friends and so on. He's very much an outsider. He's not capable of having his own place in his family. He won't mm. come back to no. England. He's not capable of finding a regular place within his religion. Because even in the monastery, it took yeah. them time to accept him because he was weird. Yeah. So he is very much an eccentric character, literally. You get attached to him. Very much so. Very endearing. So he's very lost, not successful from the point of view of normal people, if that means anything. But in his own way, or at least from the perspective of the probably newly Catholic Charles, he's safe because he's back to his religion. He has come to terms somehow with his religion. 
And so, in other words, even if his life on Earth is weird, he will probably okay with his life after death or something. So from this point of view, I think we can say that Sebastian is okay, just as Lord Marchmain is okay, because in the end, on his deathbed, he seems to somehow convert. Yeah, that scene... Weird. I didn't like this scene. So that's the big question mm. about the ending. How can you understand the end of the novel? And it took me a lot of readings of the novel and of articles and things on Evelyn War and on the novel to try and understand the thing. So I think a key thing to have in mind when you read Bridesmaid is that in 1930, Evelyn War converted to Catholicism. And I don't think you can really understand Bridesmaid Revisited without this in mind. Because even if the lives of all these flight people seem like a mess, in the end, they all go back to their Catholicism. So Sebastian, we've said, Lord Marchmain, we've said. Cordelia never left Catholicism. She's got, I think, the most, well, the healthiest relationship to her religion. The eldest, Bridie, is a staunch Catholic. <laughs> he's a weird Catholic, but yeah. I mean, from yeah. this point of view, he's okay. Julia decides not to get married to Charles because yeah. from the point of view of Catholicism, as she was a divorced woman, there was no way for her to get with any man. But what is interesting is that her first husband was... A divorcee. Yeah, but technically they did not marry as Catholics. That's true. Yeah, You know, you, we've got this yeah. hint at the fact that she got married in the Savoy yeah. Chapel because that's where... But she didn't mind doing that with her first husband. No, because also technically, as he was not a Catholic, probably the Catholic Church does not acknowledge Rex's Yeah, but Charles wasn't a Catholic either. That's right. Yeah. It's a bit of a mess, but yeah. the important point is not outwardly if she is right, but how... In her own conscience, she expected things to turn out and how she lived all these things. And so eventually she rejects the possibility of being happy mm. with Charles because she does not want to live in sin, meaning living with a man who is not her husband. Yeah, but so you could ask yourself, so she chooses her religion instead of her happiness? Clearly, yes. As Evelyn Wu was a convert, generally converts are more serious in the way they take their religion so i think for a convert like war it was important to show that there is no greater good than yeah, yeah. choosing god and actually that's the path that all the characters take and to come back to what you said about this love relationship between julia and charles mm. that seems a bit weird mm. i think something to understand is that all these characters julia but also before her sebastian are called forerunners yes and forerunner is the term in the bible that is used to talk about john the baptist who is jesus's cousin who baptizes jesus so john the baptist is the forerunner to jesus mm. who himself announces mm. the kingdom of god yeah. and in bridesmaid you've got julia so charles's second love mm. and julia herself is the forerunner to the love of God that probably Charles chooses himself at the end of the novel. And another hint at that is the fact that at the beginning of the novel, Sebastian says that he is a Catholic, that even if he doesn't like it, he mm. takes it very yeah. seriously. And that the problem is that people cannot understand Catholics. Mm. They think they can, but they cannot. And throughout the novel, Charles cannot understand what they're yep. doing. He calls it humbug. He yeah. calls it superstition mm. except at the end when he accepts julia's rejection telling her that he has understood 
And so the fact that he understands leads us to think that he probably has become a Catholic himself. So all the characters in their own ways go back to God, which apparently is for war a greater good than anything else. And that's the way I understand the epilogue, because at the end of the epilogue, Charles looks joyful and happy, whereas at the beginning he was that depressed 39-year-old man. And that's because at the end, the chapel is again in use, which signifies for Catholics the presence of God in the house. And so that hints at the success of the greater good. So not easy understanding. You said that it's the third part that is probably less easy to like. And mm. I, I agree with you here because everything seems to be failing. All the love. All, I mean, we could have hoped for a happy ending yeah. for Charles and Julia, which does not happen. But Charles has become a Catholic, probably. And that's the moment when we readers do not understand him. Mm. And this comes back to what Sebastian says at the beginning. You think you can understand Catholics, but actually you can't. So I think that it's an excellent novel because Evelyn Wall even manages to get us feel what it is to be a Catholic yeah. and not understood. Um, so yeah, I think that's a work of genius. Oh, I agree. It's a very good book. I didn't understand that. But now that you say it, that's clever. <laughs> What other books would you recommend? Uh, I think I would go for anything taking place in the 1930s yeah. or in the period between the wars. So Yeah, for some reason, it made me think of Tender's the Night by Fitzgerald. Even though it's not exactly the same, but it's still what it takes place between the war and you have travel to Italy and yeah. Switzerland. and So yeah, it made me think of those novels of the lost generation. Yeah. That's it for today. Yeah, thank you so much. I was looking so much forward yeah. to this and I'm so happy to have discussed this. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.